Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. All right, so I'm wondering, after you listened to last week's episode, did you find something that you're doing in your life right now that's worth celebrating? I really hope that you did, because I think it's important for us to take note of the little steps that we're making. You know, as a mother or a father, when your kids are really little, we're constantly aware of what we're trying to get them to overcome. And about the time they overcome the thing we're working on, we've discovered something else they need to work on. And so you can be in this perpetual cycle of always addressing what's wrong and not stopping to celebrate what's right. So I hope you're inspired after listening to me talk about my garden and, or maybe flower bed is definitely the right way to say that. And my coffee cup out of my car for you to say what's going right in my life and how can I take note of that and celebrate that? All right. Today's content could be a little bit heavy. It could be a little bit thought provoking. I actually hope it is thought provoking for you. But today we're going to talk about why church hurt hurts and what can you do if you've been hurt by the church. I want to say first and foremost, I am a pastor. I'm a lead pastor at my church. My husband and I co-pastor together, but I am the senior leader. And so I get it. I'm also telling you all of these things from the heart of someone who has not experienced severe church hurt, but has experienced some church hurts. And God has healed me of those and has given me insight that I think would be helpful for you if you've experienced something like that. So we're going to dive in and we're going to get a little bit messy and that's okay. And I just need to tell you at the end of the day, you may not agree with me on these things and that's okay as well. We are not necessarily needing to see eye to eye on all things about life, right? I just want to provoke some thoughts to maybe give you some perspective and to help you navigate any of the hurts that may have come from pastors or spiritual leaders in your life. The last disclaimer that I want to say is that I'm not going to touch on um, physical or sexual abuse. I know that happens in church settings. I know people that that has happened to. In fact, the church that I was growing up in when I was in middle school had a horrendous situation in that category that was just debilitating to all the people involved and the church as a whole. But I just want to say, if you're listening to this and you're looking for help on that particular topic, that is not a topic I'm going to cover in this. But let's dive into what it's like to be a pastor and some of the things that you go through um, that affect you as the congregant or the person attending the church in ways that you might not recognize. I'm hoping this perspective will help open your mind a little bit, and then we're going to talk about it from your perspective, not the pastors. I want to say to you that pastors are people. Now, I think you probably did not just faint in you know, the new awareness I just disclosed to you, but it's true. Pastors are people. 
pastors, every single one of them and their families are on a journey of learning to navigate life with Jesus, just like you are. Hopefully they're a little bit farther down the journey because they're leading the people, but they're still on a journey as well. So that being said, there is no perfect pastor. There is no perfect spiritual leader. And sometimes what we see of someone on a platform gives us a picture of who they are, but who they are in their everyday life is quite different than how they are on a platform. Here's an example. Did you know that introverted people can actually be very charismatic speakers? They can actually be phenomenal public speakers, even if their personal life is very shy and reserved. So if you're listening to a pastor who is just rocking your socks off with understanding of the word and their charisma and everything, and then you go and have an interaction with them at Target or Walmart at 9 p.m. on a Tuesday night when they're buying milk for their family, there's a chance you could be severely disappointed or walk away from that reaction thinking, what's wrong with me? They must not like me because they're not being that charismatic. Listen, you have to understand who your pastors are as people and where their limitations are as people as well. If you do that, you will be able to navigate some of the hurts that come from churches. One more note about pastors. Yes, we are people and we have a personality. What that means is that we do not have all the personalities and thank God for that because that would probably be a problem. We have one personality. And so because of that, all the other personality types that are out there, you're going to have a little bit of a chasm to jump over in connecting. So what typically happens, at least from my observation of knowing a lot of pastors and churches around the my area and especially the Midwest, is that the church becomes filled with people who are a lot like the pastor. Because in most churches, the pastor is the one speaking the majority of the Sundays. And so, you know, you, you tend to gravitate to what you know or your way of looking at life and all of that. And so you could be at a church that God called you to be at and be the odd man out. You could be the one with a different personality than the rest of the ones in the room. And so I want to encourage you as you're processing any hurts that you've experienced from the church, start on the plane of personality. Start by looking at what's different about how I lead my life and what my personality drives me to that my pastor is different in and see if that helps alleviate some of the pressure. Here's one great example. A lot of pastors and teachers out there are very analytical and logical thinkers, meaning they are, you know, if you're talking about personality traits, they would be the J on the Myers-Briggs. They would be typically the, not the feelers on the Myers-Briggs. They might be Enneagram ones or fives. Of course, pastors can come on any Enneagram number. But they might be people who are extremely logical. So if you're like me and you don't enjoy a reading plan on your Bible that says you have to read this thing every single day to be a good Christian, I mean, no pastor is actually saying that, but sometimes that's the message that we tell ourselves that they're saying, right? And so you go, I can't measure up to that. And you don't even try. And then all of a sudden you're looking at your pastor as a hero and you as a scumbag. I remember sitting in a conference of a church where the pastor's wife was actually speaking and she was talking about her husband, who is one of my favorite teachers. He's an amazing man, but he is a very much an analytical teacher, probably an Enneagram one, you know, just very by the book kind of guy. 
And she was saying, all my life, I've always thought if I could just be like him and do the whole read the Bible in a year thing. And my heart broke a little bit because if God wanted another one of him, he would have made another one of him, right? This woman is gregarious. She's, you know, maybe a little flighty. She's spontaneous. She's joyful. And she just doesn't enjoy reading through a Bible plan. But she was believing this small amount of maybe shame might be too big of a word, but sort of this something's wrong with me or I'm not really at maturity yet because I don't operate like that. So again, your pastor has one personality. Give yourself permission to have a different personality than them. I know as a pastor, you're, you sort of assume everybody is thinking that, but as a church member, you're typically not thinking that. And so what we need to do, especially as leaders in the body of Christ, is to call attention to the differences. So in our church, we try to do this regularly. You know, my husband is analytical in his approach to his relationship with Jesus. I've shared that with you guys before, and I'm very much not. And so we try to call attention to the strengths of both of those and to the differences, because we're not asking analytical people to forego their personality as they relate to the Lord, nor should we be, and vice versa. So your personality of your pastor really does matter. I guess my first question to you today would be, have you considered that? Have you considered where your personality is different and then take it a notch farther and see, have you tried to measure yourself against your pastor as the measurement of success? Listen, if your personality type is very different than your pastor, that idea of comparing yourself or measuring yourself is flawed from the beginning. Do you get that? It's not going to work. You have to be able to say, that's not really me. I can learn from you. I can glean from you. In fact, I want to try out some of the things that you're doing and see if they work for me. But if they don't, I've got to give myself permission to approach God in the way he created me because that's what being you is really all about. Okay, so those are the disclaimers and we're halfway through this episode. But let's talk about how to forgive. Let's talk about that moment when you have an idea and your idea is burning so much in you that you go and you share with the leadership of your church and you're met with a less than standing ovation response. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I've had these conversations with more people than I can possibly count where God has given them a dream. They're so excited about the dream. They take that dream to their spiritual leaders and they're like, you know, waiting for the leaders to say, this is what we've been looking for. We will throw all of our money. We'll make this happen for you. And you'll be an overnight success in this nonprofit you want to start or this new Bible study you want to do or whatnot. Nine times out of 10, maybe 10 out of 10, that's just not the way it happens, right? Let me tell you why. I received a prophetic word that is for a friend of mine that I think applies to this situation, and I want to share it with you. I was praying for this friend, and they're in this exact situation. They had been um, given a dream by the Lord to go and do some ministry, and the people around them were not really catching what they were feeling, and they, they were feeling that questioning thing of, well, am I really supposed to do this if other people can't see it? And I was praying and I was praying for them and the Lord showed this to me and this was so impactful. He showed me that when he gives a calling to someone, now that might be to plant a church, to start a Bible study, to reach out to your neighbor, to, you know, pass out tracts to your coworkers. I don't know. But when he gives you someone that's on his heart, a people group, a city, a company, whatnot, 
he has shown you a little bit of the fire in his eyes for that thing or for those people. Let's use the scenario of church planting because that's what I know. When God called my husband and I to plant a church in Oklahoma City, what he did was he allowed us to see a little bit of the fire in his eyes for our area. Now, from that point forward, it's my job to stoke that flame because I was the one who was given the picture of that fire. How does that apply to you? When you've been given a dream by God or a calling or a people group or whatnot, God has entrusted it to you. He has given it to you. He hasn't given it to the people around you. So if you're expecting everybody else to agree and validate and champion that fire that you've now just borne witness to, it's probably not going to happen. So you do need godly wisdom in your life. You need people who will say, I believe in you. I believe you hear the Lord. You need people who will say, you know what? I think that is the Lord, but it's not for now, right? You need people in your life to that see you better than you can see yourself at times. So I'm not saying you discredit godly counsel, but I am saying at the end of the day, it's your job to stoke the flame that's in your heart. It's your job to hold that flame and allow it to burn, not to give it to your pastor and entrust your it to your pastor and say, Do you think this is a worthy flame to even be on fire? God thought it was worthy. That's why he gave it to you. Now, I know for some of you guys, you might be listening to this and thinking, oh my gosh, this sounds crazy. This sounds chaotic. This sounds, you know, like out of spiritual authority or or any of the things in between. But I want you to understand how many dreams don't create, don't become what they're created to be because we were waiting for someone in authority over us to see it in the same way that we see it. How many dreams have died on the table of needing validation from someone else when God gave you the green light to pursue them? Just a thought. So sometimes we need to forgive our churches or our church leaders for ways that we actually put expectations on them that were never theirs in the first place right? Sometimes we need to say, you know what? I was looking to you to be God for me. And that's just not realistic. The church doesn't exist to be God. The church is not God. The church is the structure that God designed so that the display of his glory could be organized on the earth. But most of our churches fall short of that picture especially American culture church. And, you know, if you're a part of my church, I've been preaching on this recently. I don't want to say that American church culture is wrong. I just think we need to recognize what of it is American and what of it is really kingdom. Now, God wants us as Americans to bring the kingdom. So it's not like we reject our, you know, red, white, and blue for the sake of God. It's that we infiltrate the red, white, and blue with the ways of God. So sometimes our American churches have become a little bit like clubs. I mean, I don't mean clubbing clubs. I mean like fraternities and sororities and drama clubs. We've rallied around one type of thing, one way of thinking. And then we sort of say, this is who we are and therefore this is the best. But let's say you're in a drama club and somebody who's like a mathlete comes in and the mathlete is sitting there trying to figure out why they can't connect and they're trying to become more dramatic in hopes of finding validation of who they are. It's not gonna work, is it? But yet we do that with church all the time. Think about it. 
So I'm certainly not telling you, leave your church. I'm a pastor. I think you should stay in that church for as long as God wants you to be there, right? But I recognize that not all churches are going to be for all people. And I hope that you would see that too. So how do we forgive? We, we try our best to understand what's going on in the mind of the pastor from what they were saying, what they were doing. And then we ask the Lord, why did they respond that way? Essentially, we are forgiving whoever has hurt you. This applies to pastors, leaders, churches, people across the board. We are forgiving them for partnering with the enemy at times, and we're forgiving them for what they were thinking that's different for us. So don't they have permission to be themselves? Of course they do. But sometimes that can be hurtful, right? So I know this is a little bit ambiguous, but I hope you're understanding ways that you can begin to shift your perspective so that you can forgive. How do you move forward? I remember when we were moving and we planted our church in Oklahoma City and I had probably five different prophetic words. It was everywhere. It was, we would go visit a church and it would be the message. People were sharing this prophetic word with me, to me. I was reading it in the Bible. It was everywhere. And it was the verse in Isaiah that talks about, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And what the Lord is saying in that is that when he's doing something new, you have to quit looking backwards, right? You have to quit trying to compare what's new to what was because it's a whole new thing. It's just like when you have a baby and then you have another kid. There's similarities, but there's so many differences, right? And it's not helpful to try to make the new baby exactly like the first one. It doesn't typically work because they're inherently different. So I encourage you to forgive. I encourage you to move forward and I encourage you to let go. Let go of the words that you have running in your mind that spiritual leaders have said to you. Maybe they didn't understand you. And so they tried to get you to conform to what they think is the right way to be. Honestly, as a pastor, I get that. Of course, I try really hard not to do that, but I'm only me, right? And so at the end of the day, if you're asking me what's the best way to do something, of course, I'm going to think it's the way that I do it because that's how we all feel. And so sometimes we carry those words because it's what someone else would do with a different personality. And we allow that to linger in our mind like a measuring rod that's consistently telling us how we're wrong. Guys, don't do that. That's not the way the Holy Spirit corrects us. When God corrects you, when he's telling you something you need to change, it is simultaneously shocking and inspiring at the same time. It is Conviction is, is heavy at times, but it's also empowering, right? And so if we are looking at something that we're, you know, measuring ourselves against, that's heavy, that's condemning, that's constantly making us feel like a failure, check that guys, take that thought captive and truly let it go. You don't need to carry that into your next season. So you need to forgive. You need to move forward. You need to let go. And then you need to believe in your dream. You need to believe in what God has put in you in the way that you express worship, in the way that you dance, in the way that you sing, in the way that you are liturgical. I don't know, but how you're wired, it matters to the Lord. You are the one that's keeping the fire alive. It's not your pastor's job. It's not your husband or your wife's job. It's your job because it was entrusted to you. Of course, you get to share that burden with the Lord and he's really good at helping you keep that fire going 
But just be able to recognize when you're looking at a church leader to be something they're not supposed to be. Ideally, your pastor is a reflection of God and his love and his kindness. Ideally, your pastor, whether it's a man or a woman, is able to empathize with you. Hopefully, they're able to see you for who you really are and encourage you and correct you at times if that's what's needed, but do it in a way that's empowering and that's true to who you are, not just true to who the organization is. I think if our churches could catch this, there would be so much less hurt, right? There would be so much less pain. When someone is going rogue from a church body, when someone is having ideas and thoughts that are different than the norm, the best thing to do is to get up close and to have conversation, not to judge them and just beat them back into the fold, but to say, okay, so what's going on? Why is this thought encouraging to you? Why are you interested in going this way? You know, and, and eventually through conversation, you can see, is this God or is it not? I think if we were able to care for people in that way, there would be a lot less hurt. But the most important thing to remember is that the church is not God. It's a system that God created to reflect and display his glory. But most of the time, a lot of the time, we're falling short of that. Especially the bigger your church gets, the harder it is to allow people the freedom to be themselves. I don't know, when we see this revival happening, if you're familiar with all the different prophetic words that are happening, this billion soul harvest, this third great awakening, these these prophetic words that are happening around our nation, when we see this happen, I think we're going to be surprised at the way the church grows. I think we're going to be surprised at how much more flexible the church is going to have to become. The pastors and the leaders are going to have to make room for people that are different than them. I know a lot of great pastors and leaders who already do, and I love that about them. And I hope your pastor is like that. If they're not, just go through these steps. How can I empathize with them? How can I understand where they're coming from? What are the differences in our personality? And then forgive, let go, move forward, and contend for your dream. Trust God, because he trusts himself in you. So I want to pray at the end of this one, because again, it's a heavy topic. And I know if I was listening to something like this in the middle of processing some of the hurts that I've gone through... It would feel like a lot. It would feel overwhelming. But I just want to encourage you, freedom is possible. Breakthrough is possible. Forgiveness is possible even to the worst of people. I know it's messy. I know it's not going to be instantaneous, but it is worth fighting for. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person that is listening. I pray that they would feel your leading on their heart. I pray, Lord, they would feel the Holy Spirit fanning the flame of the dream that you have given to them. I pray they would feel empowered by you to go after that dream in a loving and gracious way. Lord, we pray for great conversations that need to be had if that's what's the next step. And Lord, I pray for every person who has been rehearsing negative words in their minds and allowing those words to be setting a measuring standard of success to them or spiritual maturity for them. When those words are negative and not of you, I pray you break those words right now. I pray you break the power of them. I pray you set these people free from that standard and allow them to dream with you and to come into your heart, Father, your good and gracious and forgiving heart. And yeah, Lord, I just pray you bless them in this journey in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Until next time. 
So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.